0: Hey y'all, this is Ryan Monso, and this is Talking About The Moral Victories podcast from Gokooks.com. We're talking moral victories in a loss to UT. Kind of didn't happen the way you thought it would. Looked a little different. We'll get into it. Brad Towns is here, and here's the song. <laughs>
1: I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H athletics. Cougar athletes have to trust their coaches and teammates, whether it's going for it on fourth down, nailing that three point shot or trusting your teammate to hit that walk off home run. If you've been in an accident, big or small, do not go it alone. You can trust Gus to fight for your maximum recovery. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. TrustGus.com. Principal office, Houston, Texas.
0: So I'm told we have to talk about positive stuff first. Brad.
2: Well, yeah, I'd I'd say yesterday had a whole lot of positives. Um let's ignore the first quarter and then uh from there looked really, really, really good into the last minute. And then uh there were some downs in there, but overall overall positive performance for um three quarters and you outplayed minutes. him for three quarters. Yeah, yeah. You just absolutely. outplayed them.
0: You made massive mistakes, but you outplayed them for three quarters. But you were so in the hole that even outplaying somebody for three quarters in the end didn't 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 do it.
2: Yeah, it's you know we've we've talked about it ad nauseum. It's just kind of like our calling card of, of what we do. Um, we being whom? U of H or you and me? No, U of H. <laughs> okay. And and us. We we it's definitely a, we definitely it could have highlight gone it. Way. We definitely, we definitely highlight that. Um, it, you know, it it just it happens too frequently. You know, I, I I don't know how it gets fixed, but you know. What's your best positive? What's the best thing that you saw? Um, I really like Donovan Smith. I mean, the more the more I watch of him, the the more impressed I am with him. He's he's and he's also he's kind of an enigma in the yeah. fact that. He can look so bad at times, but then he just comes out and then he has stretches of just being unbelievable. It doesn't mm-hmm. even look like the doesn't even look like the same guy. I mean, a couple of, you know, I guess we do have to talk about the quarter, the first quarter, if we're going to talk about Donovan because it's that's yeah. part of the part of the story. Um, but he made some good throws in the first quarter. The first, very first pass of the game to Sammy Brown was a was a good throw. Really? Unfortunately, it was it was yeah, so underthrown. I, well, that was the only reason why he was wide open, too. Okay, I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was a terrible pass. I don't. I don't you you know, think it, it was intentional? I'm to not throw it say where he through it. Okay, I think he under. I think he meant to throw it short. I don't think he meant to throw it that short. Defenders, defenders got high side coverage. You want to throw it underneath the coverage and let let your guy come back for it. I just think the ball held up a little bit longer than what was expected. Uh, but regardless. That wasn't the bad throw that I was talking about. The two, he had two of them to man, Jack, um, slicing over the middle that both. yeah, they, one, one was high and behind, which is deadly. Um, a lot of times, those are the ones that are the most often picked off, but then the next one was just kind of behind him and, and below him. You're asking the receiver to make a really, really, really difficult catch. Yes. Um, but those are, those are passes that you gotta be able to complete and fortunately those are passes that he was nailing later on in the game. Correct. Mostly, I mean also exact same passes, very similar situations to Manjack and then also once Manjack uh, was out, um also to Carnes as well. Just guys running running free underneath, which mm-hmm. was a beautiful thing. I love to see that. But most of his throws were on time. The only the only throws that I saw that that you know make me scratch my head are usually those are the ones where he's his feet aren't set and he's kind of fighting against his body, trying to get the ball out too quick or he's on the move throwing across his body. um, Doesn't get everything turned at the right, right spot. Uh, We'll get into the last one later. Um, But he had a couple rolling out to his left where he was, where he was off where, you know, you just don't like to see, but anyhow, outside of that, I mean, he threw the ball, what 40, 46 times. Um, had a great completion percentage Threw the ball really well um, managed the game really well. I thought the thing that, the thing that was most impressive to me is his movement outside the pocket, not to run but giving himself space and room to throw mm-hmm. um, and then delivering the ball accurately as well. I just think you saw another, another step for Donovan. He, he just was really impressive to me Um in I think a, he's been know, making steps for the last 3 or
0: 4 weeks. Not major steps, but they're when you stack them on top of each other, it's
2: look better and better. They're yeah, asking and, him to do things he can do. Right. Exactly. I think it and I want to say he's making steps, but really this has always been there. This is what I saw the, him do last year whenever he beat UT. This is mm-hmm. what I saw him do last year when he beat us, which those two were just great games by him um i think it is more us kind of unleashing Donovan and letting Donovan do Donovan things and letting him be the quarterback that he is as opposed to whatever it is we do under the guise of ball control maybe that's maybe that's the biggest maybe that's the biggest benefit that we've seen this year of unleashing Donovan is falling into a multi touchdown hole the offense seems to be really good whenever we don't have a choice but to unleash him and let him do exactly what you brought him here to do, okay, so what other things do you
0: consider to be positive, like what besides donovan what else
2: we um, we we saw some uh some decent activity out of the defense, yeah,
0: well, after, and all of this has to be prefaced after the first quarter
2: after the first quarter post yeah. first quarter i don't I don't yeah. even know i mean if you told me that um the defense wasn't on the field in the first quarter, I would have believed it. Yeah. Because they just kind of ran up and down the field. I mean, they did get a stop. The third
0: drive, there was a stop. The uh, fourth drive, not so much. And the fifth drive, you got them
2: to punt. Which is nice. Yeah. But Uh, I thought... I would
0: say my positive in this game, besides the fake field goal, which in my top 10, uh, did some really good things with receivers. I think Matthew Golden has made more progress from Game 1 to Game 7 than virtually any receiver I've seen. He had a really nice night, and there was a huge issue in the fourth quarter. I guess it was the fourth quarter. Um, Yeah, it's the fourth with the the penalty, and we'll get to that. Right. But he did some really great things. Manjack did some great things. Dalton Carnes is becoming a legitimate target, and that is so mind-blowing (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I, I say that every week, and it still blows my mind that somebody from that situation could be a real target. And then you have Sam Brown. And yeah, Michael he, Laughlin had a great night. He didn't, he didn't, I mean, he made three catches, but they did some different things with him that I really liked. And I, wa- I want to kind of explore that this week. What were you going to say about Brown?
2: Oh, no, I was going to say, Karns, he's our
0: he's our modern day Perry McDaniel. You promised. You were not going to get me emotional. <laughs> Dalton Carnes is a contributor. Sam Brown had 60 yards after catch last night. Uh, a lot of that was on that, that one play, the 51-yarder. Right. But uh, that, was, that was almost When's, a
2: big deal. When, you, when, you, when we're also talking about um, Golden's improvement, I think it highlights the difference between looking at someone's production and saying they're improving – or you look at how they're producing and seeing how they're improving. Yeah. And the way I see his improvement is that, it, what did he, how many catches did he have yesterday? Four? He had seven. Seven? At least four of them, I can distinctly remember him reaching out and catching the ball with his hands away from his body, which he was not doing earlier. Correct. He was letting the ball get to him. All the way to his basically his sternum. Yeah, yeah so he's going out and attacking the football and bringing it in which is i mean that's that's the most important thing because you don't get the yards without the catch obviously yeah but that's where his improvement is coming in i don't i don't know if he was i don't you, know, you can't really i can't really say if he was a great route runner or a bad route runner it didn't matter cuz he was still open when he was dropping the ball but the fact that he's catching the ball away from him showing me that one He's taking the lessons that he's learning. He's working on it. He's making a conscious effort to do it and apply that to the game situations. So that's a, that's, there's the massive improvement. I, I'm really not concerned about his production. His production comes as, as a uh, result of the work that he's doing and the improvement along with that.
0: I thought uh, David Agwebu had a perhaps breakout game. Um, he played more of a linebacker role. And he and Malik Robinson and Jamal Morris were basically your entire defense. I think the three of them combined to make 27 or 28 tackles. Yeah. And he looked better at linebacker or in that kind of linebacker role. Uh, they described it as a 3-3 kind of defense. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested to see what happens going forward with him. Is he back in that bandit edge rusher uh,
2: Roll, or is he set back a little bit from the line? <sighs> well, and, you know, to be fair, that's the guy that you, that's the guy that you got from OU who had 109 tackles last year. Yeah. I know that, that he came and was, the intent was, you know, to, to be an edge rusher or whatever. You can still rush from the edge from, from out there. But the fact that he's able to, to make plays and being if it if it takes him being a step back from the line of scrimmage to be able to do that then great because you've unlocked a, a, an animal i mean you've got a guy who can run can, who can get sideline to sideline who's six foot five 230 he's a traditional old school linebacker that's the size of linebackers that the sec built themselves on jeremy caldwell had a really good game he had two
0: sacks um he went out with injury they had to cart him off. Dana called it after the game this is something I've never heard. A full body cramp, which to me sounds like just getting old. But <laughs> I mean he's he's not. So I don't know how that works. What a full body cramp means we'll probably find out this week. Yeah,
2: um, I hope he's hope he's not out because he he really looked good. He's he's stepping up.
0: Uh and then Nelson Caesar had a sack and we've determined that that is the sack that
2: Quinn Ewers was hurt on everybody thought it was the Igwebu play. I thought that too. I thought, I really thought that 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 was the case, but they're coming in, you know, reports are out now that he's, that yours is going to be out for a A short amount of time. They say, but I mean, it's, it's been listed as a, a grade, grade two AC joint in the throwing shoulder. Well, the contact that he made with Igwebu was with his left shoulder. Correct. The sack where Caesar got him, that was the right shoulder.
0: Yeah, and Caesar going back came and, from behind, and the way you was landed on the ball and the way he went down was on the right shoulder. And, I mean, it could have been
2: the ground or the ball. Well, if you go back, if you go back and you look at the rest of the drive, you can see the passes looking a little bit different, especially the last pass on third before they, uh, they kicked the field goal. It wasn't, even, it wasn't anywhere close. I believe you. I'm trying to picture it. I just can't. Oh, it was, it was nowhere near. The,
0: the one that ball was- into the, that co- Ball into the
2: corner. Yeah, ball in the corner of the end zone. Not even
0: close. Okay. I believe you. I think both kickers had a, had a tackle. Uh, Jack Martin had one, and then the UT kicker, didn't he get nailed for a penalty? Uh, I really feel like that happened. Am I crazy? I don't remember that. Touchback. I'm going to look it up. I can't trust you
2: he might have, but I don't remember it.
0: Touchback. Oh, so Martin got the guy. Man, I just thought I remembered that. Oh, well, touchback. You know, that touchback thing kind of works. Yeah, he got a face mask. He, okay. To start the third quarter, Golden returns at 30 yards. And the kicker, Stone, uh, got him on the face mask. And so got another 15 yards. And that's how the ball got out to the 49.
2: Oh, okay. So I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that was
0: the kicker. I'm not crazy. I, I, your special teams, I own that. I got that. So
2: then, then yesterday was, uh, I got pretty, that 24 seven. Then yesterday on special teams, it was pretty interesting then.
0: Yeah. Special teams were nuts. Lane Wilkins kind of got, uh, toyed with early and this kicker gets a penalty and a, t- uh, a tackle. Uh, Jack Martin got a tackle, kicked a field goal, fumbled a punt that was a near disaster. <laughs> I mean, they, you had a lot also, going on. We
2: also, we also had a very similar type situation on the on the return. I guess it was was it was it golden early. Whenever he caught the ball right as right as he was getting hit, and then ended up getting like fifteen yard run on. Him. Okay. But then, of but course, Unige the,
0: was was
2: nailed for a face mask penalty that got declined. That's weird. <laughs> but then, then you know, of course, the play of the game was the fake field goal which I was really happy to see. You know, I kind of got mad about that when we did the
0: Afterthought show. Having not seen it again, just seeing it live, like how bad that play was. But yeah, I've watched it a couple times and I'm even more angry. Like, <laughs> how do you run that? Who signs off on that? That was <laughs> almost fun. like LSU going over the head of the, the holder, except that worked. Right. But it was such a... Poorly drawn play. And Sarkeesian actually griped after the game that U of H was ready for it. Like, I can't believe they were ready for it. Like, how did they scout that? We hadn't done that in three years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's look at some less positive things. We just talked about Lane Wilkins. Um, Donovan had two turnovers. One of them was a horrific throw. Horrible. Yeah. That the was- other was a sack. And upon further review, uh, the defender made a great play. I believe it was a linebacker on a blitz, uh, a little late, if I remember. And yeah. he made a great play. And Donovan should hold onto the ball, but sometimes the other guy wins. And that time, the other guy won.
2: Bad time for it, but um, yeah. well, I mean, there's no good time for a turnover. But
0: no. But you were, I mean, you were playing really well at that time, right? And you had a lot of momentum. And then you, you turn that over, and then you, the next drive,
2: you throw that pick in the end zone, which I don't know. Yeah, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't really understand the throw uh, right. or wh- what he was mean other than trying to throw it in the end zone. But it, one, it looked like he didn't even see the safety, and right. two, it was just a, uh, just a poorly thrown ball on top yeah. of that.
0: It was second and 10 play, and I just don't, I don't like that in that spot. Uh, and then it was just a bad throw. Yeah, And the worst play of the game to me, well, besides that final drive, uh, is Matthew Golden's penalty. He does this, it would be third and one, I think, on the 13-yard line. You're going in for a touchdown to take the lead on Texas. Yeah. And they have a backup in the game, and you would force him to go and drive down. You would put them in a spot that Houston shouldn't be putting them in. Right. This team should not be doing that to that team. And you're right there. You're knocking on that door, and you take a 15-yard penalty yeah. on petty, selfish, individual BS. You just can't have that. And Golden has made a lot of strides, but that one, borderline unforgivable. Like, you can't do that. And then you had 12 men on the field on basically back-to-back snaps. What, the back-to-back timeouts? Yeah, in the third. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think it was go, the first drive about, of the third.
2: Go ahead and talk about the first one. The first one was that was not good. The second one. How is how is the second one any better? Well, the second one was actually funny to me <laughs> because, <laughs> because um, you just did it. No, because watching on the replay, <laughs> you see you see both Dana and Belk looking around at each other, or Dana looks at Belk and yells who the F called a timeout belks turning around who the F called a timeout? Nobody knows who called the timeout. So he had a crazy timeout. I out well, of I, nowhere. know where nobody I, knows who called the timeout.
0: I, I think there's only a certain number of
2: people that can do that, right? Maybe somebody I mean, on the field did I, it. I don't know. Some ran I mean maybe somebody ran on the field and was doing a TikTok video and called timeout. I don't know. But neither one of those guys know who knew who called timeout, which I thought was hilarious. I mean, legitimately, I thought at that point, okay, everything's falling apart right now. It's all, it's all crashing.
0: Here it comes. I'm sitting alone, and I just realized that I'm like physically pulling on my hair, like (laughs) I don't. I just want to see good football. Well, and that's so meltdown. What the? What is happening?
2: Right. I mean, like it or not, whether whether you're playing Rice, whether you're playing Sam Houston, whether you're playing Texas, Ohio State, you name it. It doesn't matter. Every game, game is won and lost on the margins. Yeah. It's the little bitty thing. It's the tiniest, tiniest details is what separates winning and losing every single week. Sometimes you're able to get away, get away with it. Sometimes you're able to overcome it. But those little bitty things are what leads to, to wins and losses. And you can't so you think? Them.
0: Hang on. You think if U of H had three timeouts when the two horrible spots happen and there's a minute nine on the game clock, you think that possibly U of H could stop them, call three timeouts, and get a punt? <laughs> hmm. You think if you don't get a fifteen yard face mask penalty on third and one? Two offensive face mask penalties in the same game. That's weird to me. One of them in the play, one of them after the play.
2: Yeah. And both of them, both of them were legit legit calls. Legit, as much, as, yeah, as, much yeah. as as much as as much as we have room to complain about the officiating from that game, those two were legitimate real uh-huh. calls. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's why you have to be focus on the little bitty small details i get it it's a game of passion and emotion i get it golden's young things are going to happen um those can't happen no matter how that's his 18th start i think well it doesn't matter how young you are it doesn't matter if you're a freshman playing your first game those are mistakes you can't make because it's not like you started playing yesterday it's not like you started training yesterday those are just things that can't happen um, you know outside of that he played really well, but unfortunately that i mean that that costs you a real shot at, at four extra points, which makes that final drive look a lot different. So he's been called for
0: six penalties. three of them have been declined i'm trying to remember a tackle being called i mean, do you have to go back to sir Vincent
2: <laughs> most of his penalties were um extracurricular aggression yeah <laughs> I think um hitting hitting Twitter. just blowing up the pile 20 yards down the field ah uh, yeah second best golf swing next to charles barkley sir vincent yep i don't remember that yeah i, rode around I him, would remember i rode around him with uh with him at a golf tournament one time just driving him around and he'd go up and him and uh philip hunt would would uh, hmm. take some drives and his golf swing was just a, little bit, just a little bit off of Charles Barkley, but it was hilariously awesome. I'm going to talk about moral victories now.
0: But first, this message from Gus Injury Lawyers.
1: I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. As you know, a great quarterback wins championships. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, you can trust Gus to quarterback your case.
0: Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. Principal Office, Houston, Texas. Dana said after the game that we don't do moral victories. And then he talked about all the ways that that was a moral victory. Right.
2: And well, I mean, I was glad to hear that he doesn't do moral victories because neither do I. No. But a lot we, of the fan base has. Well, that's, I mean, of course. Fans, fans are going to be fans and everybody's going to, you know, play the six degrees of Kevin Bacon of how we're actually the, legitimately the best team in the country. Um, well, certainly the best three and 14 that's ever existed. Yeah. But I mean, you know. I mean, you have counts. lost a four schools in this state. Yeah. I mean, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So, I mean, I, I don't take, I don't do moral victory. Um, but are hey, we four a,
0: in the Southwest Conference right now.
2: Probably not great.
0: Yeah. You've lost to Rice, Texas, TCU, and Tech, right?
2: That's not good. True. True. Hey, you know, that's kind of the way we left. So why not? kick it off that way to begin with pick it up where we loft off baby except
0: you had a a top 10 team on the ropes you outplayed them for three quarters Mm -hmm. and as you said it's on the margins you've got to be better in that stuff and dana's not a details guy but somebody has to be right and you were we said it on our after show that that would have been a generational win because it you're been, probably yeah. never playing Texas ever again. I mean, it's a very good chance it just never happens in any of our lifetimes. Yeah. And that's fine. Who cares? But that would have meant so much to so many different people. Our friend Mike Wharton, I was thinking about him last night. <laughs> Mike told us that one of his greatest memories was beating Texas in oh, yeah.
2: 1984. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's every time I've been around a lot of our... Uh, a lot of our former players um, with the H association and, and being involved in that for years, every story always would involve at least a mention of a game against Texas where we beat them mm-hmm. or we lost to them and came back and beat them. Um, there, There's just, you know, that's just, that was always, that's always the big bear in the state. I mean, yeah. even big, even big wins over A&M. Um, really never compare right? No, no, it was, it's always, it was always Texas, but that, and that's, that's not unique to us. That would be the same for almost every, well, every other team in the state would, would feel the exact same way, but we did have a history of, it wasn't a completely one-sided affair. We got our licks in and we got some really big wins. And this was the opportunity to be able to do it again. One last time, one for the road. And I mean, it doesn't make
0: any difference in your long-term prospect right? I don't think it changes the situation. It may give Dana a little bit more leash, but one game should not do that. But you had the chance to do something that every kid that's in college right now would remember the rest of their lives. Every U of H season ticket holder that has any affinity towards a school that says, oh yeah, U of H is my second favorite team. Everybody would remember that. Everybody Mm -hmm. across the country would dogpile U of H for getting that win over Texas.
2: I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's because nobody in the not, it, not because everybody loves us, but because everybody right. hates Texas, hates them. and they would love to see that. I mean, if you look on if you look online on any social media, when a big dog gets beat, everybody's a fan of the team that beat them, right? But it's
0: different with UT, yes, it's just different especially here in the state of Texas. Right. As a comparison, it's like Tulane beating LSU in the state of Louisiana. It just, it doesn't, it didn't happen. And LSU loses some dumb games, but you just didn't lose that in-state. And from where U of H has been in the last seven years, Major and Dana, and where U of H or UT sees themselves, it's just a, it's a crazy different level. And you had them right there, and you let them off the hook. It would be painful for UT in the moment, but it would not be generationally painful. Right. That was a generational win that you had right there in your grasp. It was right there for the taking, and you failed with turnovers, with a dumb face mask, and with some spotty refereeing at the end, but also
2: some bad decision-making. Right.
0: And we do not even talked about
2: it. Well, that's and that's what we're getting to. I don't like the the calls were were blatantly wrong, but that's not why. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's not why we lost. And so let's let's maybe, get to that. Maybe, maybe it's just maybe it's just my background and the way I was I was raised and having to deal with terrible umpires and terrible referees in every single sport I ever played. Um, but it's always been. I was never allowed to blame anything on the, on the refs or the umpires because I had an opportunity to do something after that, in spite of that, Mm -hmm. or there's something that I didn't do before that to make that call irrelevant. And in this case, we had something to do immediately after two bad calls or not two bad calls, two bad spots. Nobody horrible. even. Nobody in the broadcast even mentioned the second down. The second down spot no, that never that never came up. Nobody even blinked an, an eye at it. And you know why nobody blinked an eye at it? Because that happens every single game. Every single game where the ball is spotted, it's always off from the real spot by at least half a yard. Well, it, I disagree. It, it, it happens, but it does when happen it comes on. And when it comes sometimes. on inconsequential plays like that. But or that was inside viewed, the that's inside the ten yard line. It's not inconsequential. As, what's viewed as inconsequential. It wouldn't at that point in se- in second down, nobody thinks about it because at that point I it's did. not a pressing matter. Well you did because you're always laser focused on stuff over the line. Yeah. Borderline. But it happens all over the field all the time. We just don't ever notice it because we're not dialed into it. Those who are dialed into the minutia of the game, like you are going to notice things like that but the one on third down that led to fourth and inches or 2 yards or how, <laughs> how whatever whatever It was
0: either fourth and 4 inches or fourth and 6 yards. I, it could have gone either way. Thanks, Dana. Um so but let's have, start with second down.
2: Yeah, second down. It
0: was second and 9, I think, and O'Loughlin grabs the ball and takes a hit and bounces off of it and gets into to, to the at least to the nine yard line, and sure enough, it's spotted right at the ten. I mean, right on the ten, and it's mm-hmm. like, holy hell! How Dana? How are you not seeing that?
2: How are you not saying something? Mm-hmm. How do you not have somebody up in well, the booth? Well, that, that's what I was. That was, what I was just about to say it. At that point, I can't. I don't. I don't fault him on that because he's. He it's hard to doesn't, see. He doesn't have that angle. But you've got your offensive coordinator, quote unquote, uh-huh. is up in – up in in the booth and then you've got analysts and all kinds of people up there that are uh, supposedly paying attention to this stuff. Yeah. That's, that would at least come up, right? You would think that somebody would say that spot was way off because that spot was more egregious than the third down spot.
0: 100% more egregious, 100%. Now third down, more important than second down, but still. So I have a theory You don't have an offensive coordinator. Let me give my a 10-4. Yeah. You don't have an offensive coordinator. And the three-headed monster is making these decisions, right? Right. Well, one of them's up in the booth. Right. One of them is on the field, I believe. And then you have Dana. You know, um, uh, Nagavi is definitely on the field. I think Burchett is up. Um, But that changes. You know, Belk was up in the sky, and now he's on the field. Right. And.
2: Regardless, you've got your analysts but up your there. Responsibilities, you respons-
0: but your responsibilities change. And right. if the guy in the sky is focused on arguing with the offensive line coach, who's the run game coordinator, and trying to figure out pass, run, what we're going to do, maybe they're not paying attention to the details. And maybe some analyst doesn't have the say. And I don't, I mean, I don't know. But somebody's got to be paying attention to that. And somebody's got to be buzzing Dana and saying, hey, yo, It's about to be third down inside the 10 with the time running out. We need to focus on this. This is important. Didn't do it. So you go to third down, and Sneed got hosed. Mm -hmm. In neither spot does Dana call timeout. After the game, he says, they're telling me they reviewed it, which is the new thing in football, the speedy review. But there is still an element where you can say, nope, you're stopping the game and you're going to the booth review and then everybody on TV is going to see this and everybody's going to pay attention to it. And Dana said they're telling me it's it's confirmed. And the play calls still coming in and they're telling them that and everything's happening really fast,
2: right? Yeah, well from from the time from the time that, that they were spotting the ball. Mhm. The end of the play after third down. After third down from then to the time the chains came on the field, it was like a minute and nine seconds. The time from the snap or the, the end You're of the You're talking real time. Real time, a minute and nine seconds. The time before we line up for the next play, two minutes have passed. Real time. So in that, in that amount of time, you've got, to, you've got a minute before they bring, even bring the chains on mm-hmm. to state your case, to say, we want a review. Yeah, I mean, saying, hey, that's a bullshit spot, that, that gets some uh, frustration out, that doesn't, that doesn't solve anything. That's when you're making the call of, we've got, to, we've got to call a timeout and challenge this thing. Yeah. So,
0: I'm sitting in the press box, and UT has a guy down on the field, and we just all assume first down was made. And the PA guy in the press box, it's not the PA guy on the field, it's just the guy that says it in the press box. Says they have not determined whether it's a first down or not, and that's the first time any of us had heard about it. And I was like, "Really? Like they had to?" I mean, he he got across, and I'm watching the replay on my computer, and sure enough, Mm -hmm. and there didn't seem to be a huge issue on the sideline. Dana was making like a a pointing at his eyes, which that was after that was after the that was after the measurement. Okay, fine. Yeah. And so you had all that time, and you didn't ask for the, the replay, the, the review. And then, once again, you go to a fourth down. You had a timeout in your pocket. Yes. If you don't get the fourth down, that timeout goes into the ether. It just ceases to exist. It doesn't matter. Right. Why aren't you using that? If not to challenge, then to get your guys together and say okay here's what we're
2: doing we're calm we're doing this the right way (laughs) everybody 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 relax let's put that let's put that bullshit spot behind us let's focus on the task at hand here's what we're gonna do okay everybody got the assignment everybody know exactly what we're going to do great we're gonna do this does that change the play i don't know maybe maybe not personally i think it was a terrible play you know who else thinks that yeah emmanuel Acho. Here, listen. I would say it's a questionable play call. Don't call a play that your players can get right. Call a play that they can't get wrong. Fourth and inches, you run a sprint out. Now, the receiver is open. If the ball is on target and on time, it's completion. But you can see head coach Dana Holgerson is irate. Because you run a sprint out on fourth and inches. Here's what's curious. If you only need inches, you start in the shotgun. So now you're already six feet away from the inches that you need. Then, coach, you run a sprint out. Think about everything that has to go right. Your quarterback has to catch the snap from the shotgun. He has to sprint out, throw an accurate ball, and the receiver has to catch it instead of just maybe running a QB sneak, which is simple as collecting the ball and falling forward a couple inches. So questionable play call. Kudos to Houston for battling back the entirety of the game. But they made it easier on Texas to win by that play call.
0: At times, I think Emmanuel Acho is a little, whoo. He said this Sunday, Saturday, sometime, that Caleb Williams should stop playing quarterback for USC because it doesn't matter anymore because they lost to Utah. <laughs> Hot take? Bullshit. But he was right here. What the hell are you doing? Now, he says the, the quarterback's six feet. I think he's a lot further back. But why are you having the play start so far from fourth and inches or two yards? Why? You've done it all year, every single time. You have a massive man at quarterback. Dana six said five, he's, five, not, he's not going to, I don't even remember the word he used, expose him or run him or something bizarre into the line because the defensive tackles are so great. You're going four inches. There's not. I mean, I, I, I'm not a scientist. Well, I was never good at science. But there's not enough time for these defensive tackles to blow you up.
2: And today, the the bush push is seems to legal. be pretty much legal. So you got the quarterback. You got a six foot five, 240 pound quarterback. You've got 300 pound guards. If nothing else, they can at least fall forward. And then you can put the tight end go full house backfield, and everybody's pushing you. Can you get a couple of inches there? I mean, in, in, in practice, when you're, doing these, when you're doing these drills, this is the situation you're doing the drills for. When you're running the Oklahoma drill, this is the drill you're running. you got to get one yard. you got to get six inches. What are you going to do? This is what you prepare for. This is what you think about in the weight room. This is what you do. This is what you train for. This moment, this to beat the man in front of you, to move them, at least six inches. But let's say let's say that was the right call. Let's say that that okay, you don't want to do that. Then my question is is that are you real? Is your best play the ideal scenario? Game on the line, everything on the line. Knowing what it is is do you really want your quarterback to be doing a sprint out, throwing off balance to a guy in the flat, and not only guy in the flat, you're not throwing it at Sammy Brown. Man Jack's out of the game. Dalton Carnes not in the game. And Matthew Golden's not in the game. Or Sammy Brown was in the game. I'm sorry. Yeah. He, was, he, was, he was the wide out on that. Um, but you got Stefan Johnson coming across in motion, and that's the guy you go to. I'm fine with that if that's the play you deem you really want to throw. But Golden's not in the game. I mean, you want, it looks the way they lined up, like, hey, we're going to run the ball. Do you think they were stupid enough to think that you were going to run the ball from there from five yards deep out of shotgun. And if you think that they were if you think that they think that you're gonna run the ball, you think you might want to I don't know, fake it? Give it a little uh play action? Because at least that would make somebody move out there. But instead it is a straight No rollout. motion, right? Huh? Nothing, no motion? No, no, no. It was it was motion. You brought you brought Johnson okay. from the uh from, from the, the left side. Okay. But we don't A ball fake. It's just straight rollout. And one thing that we talked about earlier, Donovan's very accurate when he's able to set his feet and make a throw. No quarterback in all of football is more accurate throwing off platform than they are with a stable base and making a regular throw. So you're taking the most inefficient way to your quarterback is going to throw the ball, who has shown you this season that his bad throws. Are usually, whenever he's on the move like that,
0: what did Dana say after the game? I liked our play call. Yeah, just got to execute the play.
2: Yeah, I love ex- it. I, lo- I love execution. I love that. I love that discussion too, because realistically, every single play called, you can say, if you execute it, you score. Yeah, every single play called because when it's drawn up there on the chalkboard and you do a big whiteboard session, every single player is accounted for on the defense. So that means if you execute the play, you score every single time, even on a dive right up the middle. So you can apply that to every every single time. Now, if you want to say it was a bad throw, say it's a bad throw. Don't hide it. You say, hey, it was a bad throw. I made the right call. Our quarterback just didn't make the throw, didn't, didn't need it to score. But going back to what Acho said, you've got so many points of failure and so many things that need to happen and happen right on that as compared to a quarterback sneak. I would like to, I would like to, to believe in the idea that, oh, uh, we didn't want to run it at their, at their, uh, all world tackles. Really? Okay. Four inches. Yeah. We're going four inches, but if you didn't want to do that, well, let's, let's look back at what we did on third down. Why'd you choose to run it on third down? You ran right at those tackles. Why did you choose to run it on first down? Ran it right at those tackles. The running backs for the entire game Up until the fourth quarter, first three quarters of the game, they ran the ball six times. They ran the ball six times throughout the first three quarters of the game. The running backs ran the ball six times. In the fourth quarter, they ran the ball six times. Can I be honest? On that final drive, we ran the ball
0: four times. I'm the run the ball guy. Always will be. Been criticized for it for 20 years. Run the ball. Run the ball. But... Your run game, your rush game was non-existent. Right. They didn't need a run game coordinator for that. No. Donovan was doing great things, but
2: you're not fourth and inches at every point. Right. I'm not asking you, I, I'm not asking you to run the ball here. Right. I'm asking your, your quarterback... To have a better shot. I'm asking your quarterback to quarterback sneak it. And if you're going to pass, have your best assets on the field and give your quarterback the best opportunity to be successful. I don't think a sprint out was his best opportunity to be successful. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to Dana for
0: five years and I still can't get over. I didn't want to waste a timeout.
2: Yeah. Well, it makes no sense. I just, I can't, because you're, 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 you're at the, if you, even if you don't get it, you're fourth down at the nine, you don't need to timeout. Then Then game is no. that's the game the right game's there. It's over.
0: You're not stopping. But if
2: you no. do get if you do get that, if you do convert the first and first in, first and goal, first and eight yard line. I mean, if say the ball that ball is complete, everything's perfect. It doesn't get broken up. It doesn't get dropped. You do catch the ball there. Okay, well then guess what? You got you got the ball to seven. You don't need a timeout with a minute and fourteen seconds left or a minute and seventeen seconds left from the seven yard line. you can even choose to run it if you so choose. Cause you've got plenty of time and actually it wouldn't be a bad idea to at least run it once, maybe a quarterback draw, because guess what? You don't want to give them the ball back. I assume that's the reason why we ran it four times on that final drive was to eat up some clock. So they don't get the ball back and you get this game to overtime. If you don't go for two already, you're going for two. You're absolutely but going. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's just what you, you've got to do that. And but maybe you then a, you would have used your timeout. You don't need a timeout. With a minute and 17 seconds left inside the 10-yard line. I didn't want to waste the timeout. So maybe, maybe our, our moral victory trophy is a big, giant timeout. Thank you for listening to the Talking About Them Cougars podcast.
0: We appreciate it. We've enjoyed talking with you. Some of us have blood pressure issues on a daily basis. Some of us are experiencing a high during this conversation. And we need to go take a walk around the neighborhood. I'm going to promise you something, Brad. Whatever <laughs> happens... I'm not going to waste a timeout. Never, ever, ever will I waste a timeout on a fourth end game in the most generational win this school has had in 30-plus years. Bigger hey. than Florida State, bigger than Oklahoma. Hey, we came close, buddy. Thank God Tom there's Herman always, did not waste timeouts. There, there's always next week, right? Yeah. You're going to Kansas State and this is, to me, the entire season. You either show that UT was a fraud or you showed that this team is getting better. And you can even do that in a loss. You can do that in a loss. Mm -hmm. But if you go up there and get your ass handed to you, then you've shown us. Now I'm going to say it. I don't think college kids can get up three weeks in a row. I don't think it can happen, but you got to figure a way to make it happen. You had West Virginia, the most emotional game ever. And then you come back and you have the same thing. And this is what happened at the beginning of last season, right? You go into three overtimes with UTSA. You go into overtime with Texas Tech. And then in week three, you came out strong against Kansas, but then you got your ass handed to you. Yeah, You can't afford for that to happen now. Not in mm-hmm. game eight. Not in a conference game.
2: Yeah, And all of a sudden, K-State has a real shot here.
0: Yeah, you've got an. They got, a real shot.
2: They, they got a real shot to get to the title game. With yours going down, we, show, we showed you just yesterday that UT is vulnerable. But with yours going down, they got some really, really, really big question marks. Yeah. You know, we haven't
0: even talked about this, but UT had two weeks to be pissed off, right? Mm-hmm. And they came out like a team that was pissed off. Right.
2: And they kind of just forgot about it. Well, I think that's when they go, <laughs> when, you, when you just visualize them going to the sideline after going up 21 nothing saying, we're back. Good game, guys. Good game. Yep. We're back.
0: Top three team right here. It was very much on brand. You let them off the hook. Yeah. But at least you have a timeout, and that's really the important thing right now.
2: So you're going up to uh, Kansas. This is, our first, this is our first trip out of the state. Yes. For the season. Yes. How crazy is that? Well, there's only two. Two months. Two months. Well, I mean, it's it's such a big difference from what we've been through before. Yeah. Two months into the season, and the first time we leave Texas. And yeah. it's going to be, what, 40 degrees, 30 degrees God, up there? damn it. I'm so. <laughs> Thursday, it's going to be
0: 80 and sunny and beautiful. And it's going to be like 40 and raining the entire time we're there. Oh, man. I've never been to Manhattan. I'm looking forward to it. This is, I think, Stadium Number Seventy for me. I have to look up, I have a list. I'm a loser, but I think this is Number Seventy. Baylor Easy. next week will be Seventy-One. I've never been to McLean. You need to uh, put your little map on the uh, website. You're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> I am mocked enough. All right.
2: <laughs>
0: and so I'm really looking forward to it. And there's ice cream. In the press box that's from the dairy on campus, and they make it, like, that day. I don't know how it works. I don't know how you make ice cream. But I'm getting in line in front of Duarte and every other m- in that press box. I'm, I'm getting it first. <laughs>
2: well, it's going to be gone after them.
0: Yeah. So, I can't wait. I love college towns. This is college football to me, is going to little towns, the outposts of society. Ames, Iowa, Manhattan, Lawrence, Lubbock. I mean, that's 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 football. Every every SEC town. Tuscaloosa, right? Don't, hey, County. you gotta
2: include you gotta include Stillwater. It's, it's there Stillwater
0: too. and College Station. Yeah, even College Station. I mean, Station. maybe not College Station, but yeah. Um, we're gonna eat everywhere, and it's gonna be amazing.
2: But you better show up. It's it's the game. It's the game that we have where it proves that you've really got something going that things are really turning or that we just played out of our minds this week. And do, do you think that Dana and the administration feel the same way about this week? No. Yeah. I don't. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I would say the, the significant majority of our fan base don't feel that way.
0: Right. You played UT close and that's a huge deal, but it's not because it's a loss. you lost. You never get another shot. And you I mean, I hope a
2: chance. I hope. That this is, this is a building block on learning how to compete at the highest level and how to, or in this case, what not to do and get that corrected for next week. And you go on and use this as a springboard. After you got
0: to 21-21, you have a lot of what not to do. Right. A lot of them. Yeah. At 21 nothing you had a lot of them. There was a, a stretch. Where it looked really good, and it did not look like anything we have seen from this program Mm
1: -hmm.
0: since 2016. But you let them off the hook. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, basketball. Damn, Let's talk basketball real quick. Okay. U of H went to Oxford this week to play Ole Miss in a scrimmage Saturday. Uh, They won, but who cares? Yeah. I, I just don't think that's important, but U of H won. Woo! Uh, Chris Beard's a coach there now. Was it Texas? I mean, was it Texas? I'll,
2: I'll, be on, I'll be honest with you. The score does matter. Everybody's keeping score, whether the, whether the scoreboard's turned on or not. Well, not, not everybody. Um, not baseball. You you can you can bet your ass. Players know what the score is. Hundred um, percent. That's you You play the game to win. You I mean you you pretty much do everything to win. You would think, but in
0: that program, you do. Uh, yes. So U of H won the scrimmage. I'm told that the Cougars made a lot of shots. They shot the ball well. Yeah. They were not overly pleased with the defense. Uh, they had some guys missing that you will see in the lineup quite a bit. Um, but I actually
2: I actually like that. Was, I like I like that that some of the guys some of the guys that were that are going to be counted on are missing. Uh, we need we need some of these young guys to get there and and get their feet wet and learn the you know, hey, we're stepping up. We're stepping up this year, guys. So you've got an injury to Wilson, you
0: were missing other guys. You've got a lot of young guys. I I was told Saturday that the uh exhibition game against Pembroke will be on ESPN plus which is great. So that I get to watch it from Manhattan. Yeah. In the flipping cold and wet (laughs) uh so I'm I'm Pretty excited to see it and to talk about it, and then to get this season underway. We're two weeks out uh, from Louisiana
2: Monroe. I've made a conscious effort um to not focus as much on basketball because I know it's going to be here. Last year just went way too fast for me. It just seemed like a whirlwind. Basketball yeah, it seemed it's it just went went by so fast. And basketball, this basketball program is one that I like to be able to just savor. And,
0: well, and, I tell you what, start coming to practice with me and sit there. And they tell you to be there at four and it's six 30 and they're still practicing and there's no chairs. So you're sitting on the floor Love and, it. and, uh, yeah, come do that three days a week
2: <laughs> for six months. Yeah. 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 But Heck, you're just right. You, just you being, just you being there and absorbing all the stuff going on makes you a better person. It really does. It I probably makes you so a lot much. more competitive person, too.
0: I don't know if that's possible, but I have learned a lot just by osmosis. Yeah. Um, just being around it, just talking to guys and, and, and getting their perspectives and, and coaches. And I mean, everybody involved with the program is that way. And they're all tuned into that. And right. you start hearing players start talking like Kelvin.
2: <laughs> but. It's because it's just drilled into them. Well, yeah, because it's not something, it's not something you do. It's something that who you become live.
0: Yeah, it really is. And I've started hearing it a little bit from freshmen and it's like, no, no, you have four (laughs) or five years or maybe less, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I'm told that they got a lot out of the scrimmage and, uh, you know Kelvin. He's not ex- interested in making shots. He's interested in the shots you miss. He's interested right. in the bad possessions. And right. so, I I think it was it was very helpful. I think it's going to be way more helpful than Pembroke. You yeah. get something out of Pembroke, but the scrimmages last year against Duke and UT, this year Ole Miss, uh, you get a lot more out of that.
2: Yeah. Well, you're doing it. You're doing it against guys that are that are. Like you, yeah. You get you're getting pushed by players that you're going to see later on. So your mistakes are going to be magnified. You're not going to get away with anything. And if it's a if you know if Beard's coaching that team, you know exactly what type of players you're going to. It's the same
0: sort that you've been practicing scrimmaging against for four or five years. Uh, Yeah. So that is it. That's all. We're done. Thank you. Appreciate it. Deuces. Uh, got a timeout in my pocket, so we're good. Music. President Gus.
1: yavoo yeah, I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case.
0: Call eight six six Trust Gus.